0: Hi, my name is Ruben. I'm 11 years old and I meditate every day. I started meditating when I was around nine or 10 and I really like it because it just brings peace and it makes me feel very calm and it just helps in everyday life. I think the best thing of all is that it really helps in my sleep and during lockdown that's been very hard. I'm very happy that Headspace exists. If you'd like to check out some of my favorite sleep casts, just search for Headspace in the App Store.
1: I don't know if you ever laid in the bed with your eyes closed, but your mind is still like fully awake and you're trying to go to sleep, but it's like you're just thinking. I don't know. Like I would just like I had too many thoughts to try to like black my mind out to go to sleep. I don't know.
0: Rayshon White is 23 years old. What does a 23 year old guy do when he can't sleep? He watches videos on YouTube. He plays with his pet ferret.
1: Okay, my my ferret running around. He trying to bite me or something. Okay, I go play with him. Okay, I get bored playing with him. Okay, after that, um, look outside the window, open the blinds. I'm about to get some fresh air, walk around the building. You know, just stuff like that. Like you know.
0: So he gets no sleep at night, and in the morning, his girlfriend Talisha, she's up.
1: I just know Talisha's up, so I can ease my mind a little bit. In case, like, a Molotov come through the window, I'm sleeping, she can, Rayshawn, get up. Or, like, Rayshawn, look, all these people outside our window. And I could be like, okay, we finna get out of here.
0: And here's where Rayshawn stops sounding like any old 23-year-old. When he mentions Molotov cocktails, people outside his window. See, Rayshawn and Talisha are caught up in a kind of waking fever dream inside their home. They live in Kenosha, Wisconsin, a nondescript city of about 100,000 people. Last summer, Kenosha made headlines. And Raishan, he's partly why. A Kenosha cop shot a man named Jacob Blake, a black man, right outside Raishan's window. Raishan happened to film the shooting and his video went viral. Protests followed against police brutality in line with the politics of the Black Lives Matter movement. And then, a white kid, Kyle Rittenhouse, shot and killed two protesters. Jacob, the man initially shot by the cop, is now paralyzed from the waist down. The cop shot him seven times, in front of Jacob's girlfriend and kids, as Raishan's video shows. In a dramatic, bloody summer, that shooting and its aftermath hold a pretty terrible rank as one of the season's most notable episodes of unrest. For Raishan, even the ability to rest, to close his eyes and drift to somewhere else, went away.. Don't shoot. Don't shoot. Sleep became scarce right after the shooting. That's when Rashan says FBI agents showed up at his place. They offered to put him and Talisha up in a hotel for a few nights. He says there were threats being made. Whispers of those Molotov cocktails, plans to destroy his apartment, made by people who share the politics of Kyle Rittenhouse, the kid who shot the protesters. So he and Talisha went to the hotel. But after a few days, they had to come back. And Rayshawn's thoughts kicked into high gear.
1: So we came back home and it was like she was asleep and I'd just be up in the middle and I'd take a shower or something, sit in the shower, a bath or tub or something, play with my ferret, play the game, get on my phone, watch, walk around the the building, open the windows, sit outside the window for like a couple hours, fresh air, you know. And I get So
0: why couldn't you sleep? Like what would happen when you get in bed?
1: I just be thinking, like, what if I go to sleep? Like, what if I just close my ass for like a couple minutes and next thing you know, glass breaking or just shots fire or somebody kicking in a door or something? And I like they get the ups all because I was just sleeping a little. Like, just wanted to get a little sleep, you know. I'd rather not just sleep. I'd rather just wash the crib and just let them do it and then, you know, go from there. Or, like, try to get a head start on them. Like, I see it's about to happen. Talisha, get up. Let's go now. You know? Mm-hmm. Or, like, but, you know, if I'm sleeping, I'm waking up to it. So, at this time, I I got, like, I'm already, like, panicking because I don't know what's going on. But I have to be alert at the same time. That's too much. So, I'd rather just be alert, you know, than trying to be panicked and alert and trying to focus. Like, and I can just focus right now. Like... You know how people, like, just like just to relax. Like, ooh. get in bed, I close my eyes. But it's like, I, like when I close my eyes, it was either I was gonna just doze off or I was gonna get back up and be alert, you know? So I would try to get in bed and try to get some sleep, but it was like, this, it was messing with me so bad, sometimes it would just be like, "Break get up, Sean, get up right now. You hear that in the hallway? Get up right now, bro. Go look at the peephole, open the door.
0: There's this moment Rayshawn talks about. It's visible in the footage, but when you talk to Talisha, it becomes clear just how different it is to watch a video of something versus watching it actually happen. Talisha, she's only seen the video. She describes a moment of hesitation from the cop. Jacob's already on the ground. He's been shot three times. And then, just before the cop shoots four more times. It was like he hesitated
2: a little. Like It's like he wanted to and then again he didn't. It was like he didn't know what to do but you shot him still. It didn't seem like he wanted to do it but I guess in the back of his mind I guess I have to but you don't. Like
0: I feel like it could have went a lot of different ways than what it did. Rayshawn, He's one of the only people in the world who saw the shooting unfold live. And he saw something sinister in that moment of hesitation between the first three shots and the last four. When I was
1: recording, I wasn't looking at the camera. I think I had a better view than the camera. Like, cause you know, I don't know. That's just like, I'm watching it. Like this man body is twitching. I'm looking at the office. Like you already was beating him up, bro. He was all, I was already jumping him. He already got tased. You was punching him in his ribs. And then you shoot him. And I'm watching you shoot this man. And his body is twitching. And you look at his girlfriend and you keep shooting. And it then went after the shots. And you get up and walk away. And you just look all hurt. It was an act. you only doing that because everybody's around now. I, I'm looking at you. I'm watching you. Like skip what everybody else seen And the camera and the viral video I'm watching you myself I seen it You can't fool me Don't fool me Like I'm No I'm watching you You could have stopped the first three shots You hesitated And you shot four more times And you looked at his girlfriend You wasn't even looking at him You kept shooting like you were trying to prove a point Like No I don't I don't respect that That was You're evil and that was the first thing I kept saying, like, you are evil. I just kept thinking, he's evil. Trauma is really bad.
3: Bad for the person that perpetrated it and bad for the person that witnessed this. There's some indication that through epigenetics that you can actually transfer tra- trauma from one generation to the next. So... um Whatever they have experienced, the kids have experienced in generations after that, we'll have experienced through collective unconsciousness.
0: I'm talking to Gerard and Jean-Louis. Dr. Jean-Louis is a professor at New York University. He focuses on population health and psychiatry. He also focuses on sleep. Dr. Jean-Louis is at the forefront of a pretty innovative school of thought that connects the seemingly mundane with the existential. He's an expert on a phenomenon known in scientific circles as the black-white sleep gap. In short, black Americans have been shown to statistically experience worse sleep than other demographic groups in America. For years, researchers have focused on what might seem like obvious distinctions. Race coincides with wealth in America. On average, Black Americans tend to live in louder neighborhoods with less green space, more sirens, more violence, more intrusions into a person's mind than home. So sleep suffers. And worse quality sleep can lead to pretty damning health disparities, shortened lifespans, heart congestion. But then there's a subtler side to the gap. One Dr. Jean-Louis is helping bring to the surface of the conversation, the psychic component. Sleep has the power to heal a mind and heart. If people are denied deep sleep, they are in essence denied deep healing. And Dr. Jean-Louis believes the healing required for Black Americans is profound, due to pain that began generations ago. And problems would sleep root into an earlier time, too, lodged at a psychic level, an epigenetic one. A distortion set off the moment slavery began.
3: From that point, trauma begins. If you imagine this, now I'm a man, I have three kids, I have a wife, I'm being taken away from my community. What's going to happen to my wife and kids? What's going to happen to my my father, to my mom, to my cousin, to my community, trauma begins. And what happens to me now, I no longer am free, right? I have shackles on. Now I find myself at Cape Coast in one of those places where there's no place to sleep. I have to sleep on the floor. So if you're thinking about where the sleep problem begins, well, I would say it started, started in Africa because that's where the traumatic experience began.
0: Dr. Jean-Louis paints a clear picture of a hypothetical black man in Africa, waiting at one of the notorious slave castles on the Cape Coast, where African people were held in wait for traders to come pick them up to take them in boats to America.
3: Finally, when somebody comes to pick me up at Cape Coast, what happens to me? I'm walked into a ship with hundreds of my friends, or not only really friends because they come from different tribes, people I don't really know, So how do I sleep there when I'm being transported from the African continent to the Americas? Well, we are sleeping pretty much on top of each other. Is that a good community within which to sleep? Is that the way we should sleep? And then when we finally land in America or in the Caribbean, what happens to us? We are work work to death, right? There's no real community. We can't really have friends. We can't have wives. We can't have partners. We can't have kids. If we have kids, It's really for the purpose of breathing more black folks so we could sell them off to other places. So if you say, where did poor sleep start? I think it started, it's the whole process has affected our sleep. This is why you might find some black families who live in beautiful neighborhoods, great zip codes, and they still have poor sleep. You say, but why is that? Well, it goes way back to Africa.
0: Dr. Jean-Louis sees all Americans implicated in this cycle. There are sins baked into the ground. He talked to me about the European invaders, the wiping out of entire Native civilizations, and of the enslavement of African people.
3: So our country, the great America we all love, was founded on violence. Somehow, I don't know that we've ever done anything to atone for those sins. So those sins are still with us today.
0: There's blood all around if your eyes are open. And once they are, it can be hard to shut them. The video Raishan put out in the world drew nationwide attention. Raishan says he knew it would given the intensity of the summer, the ascent into the public eye of the Black Lives Matter movement. But he didn't expect all the ways in which that video would capture attention. Because the outcry was loud. LeBron James tweeted his sympathy for Jacob Blake.
1: Lil Wayne, the rapper, bought him a a portable minivan. My thing is I don't want people to think Jacob was a criminal or like he was like, resist an arrest or like, you know, like the bad guy in a situation. I was really trying to do it to take over him.
0: I found Rayshawn because of a headline. He'd moved into a spotlight. He testified in court. His video became evidence. He never showed his face in news reports. He didn't want to. But his voice went out to the world, his words. And at one point, a reporter asked him what almost sounds like a throwaway question.
1: Some reporters, like, were asking me, like, okay, how are you after? Like, are you able to sleep?
0: He gave his answer. A headline went out on CNN's website, MSN's. Man who recorded Jacob Blake's shooting says he's traumatized and cannot sleep. Mm. I happened to see the headline a few days before the murder of George Floyd went to trial. Darnella Frazier, the teenage girl who filmed that horrific killing of a Black man, also spoke to reporters about her inability to sleep in the weeks after, how she stayed up at night shaking. In 2019, in Chicago, a 12-year-old kid named Amir worship. He was shot in the knees by a SWAT cop who barged into his bedroom. Breonna Taylor, in the spring of last year, she was killed while she slept in her bed. For Black Americans, that most private space, the bedroom, can be the site of state led violence. Rayshawn, he'd become nocturnal, in a sense, in those weeks after the video went viral. By day four, he and Talisha struck on a sort of system. Talisha, she works as a caretaker for the elderly. She cooks meals for them. It's shift work. Her hours are odd. Sometimes she's home during the day. And that day she was up cooking. And her alertness, the smell of the cooking, soothes Rayshawn. He finally slept for a stretch of time. As night fell, she woke him up with a plate of food. It was as if they were working their own shifts.
1: So, like, She woke me up, I'm done cooking, here's your plate. You know, I eat, get a little recharged. I'm up now, I'm up again, and I'm recharged now. And it's like, I slept during the the whole day, so I'm about to pull an all-nighter again, I feel it. Talisha goes to sleep, I'm up again walking around, ferret, the Russian sleep experiment. What is that? I'm finna YouTube
0: it. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. So it just pops in your head while you're playing with your ferret? Yeah, it
1: was like a random thought. Like, you know, I'm just up, like, thinking, like, <laughs> why well, I can't go to... I'm just up. I'm up. I can't go to sleep. Russian sleep experiment. YouTube it right now. I just go on YouTube and just watch, like, a documentary of a bunch of people just talking about it. And they all saying the same thing, you know. They give them gas, they promise them if they do it, they'll release them back to their family or their country they're from, you know, like the war. They were prisoners. And it was like they died at the end, it was crazy. Like if you should look at, into it, it was really crazy.
0: The Russian sleep experiment. It's this internet famous urban legend. To be clear, it's considered by most reputable sources to be a myth. But plenty of people believe in it anyhow. The legend goes that the Russian military held prisoners in a gas chamber back in the early 1940s and pumped some chemical inside to inhibit sleep, to test the effects of sleep deprivation. And the story gets gruesome. The prisoners end up eating each other. So, Rayshawn, he'd heard about this, and he remembers it while he's up that night, and he heads to YouTube to watch a video not caring much whether the story was real or not because there was something real in the suggestion of it.
1: It caught my attention. Like, he's, these are vivid details. Gas, they're up, they're buying chunks out of themselves, they was doing surgery on them. At the end of the day, it could have been fake or real. I was just into it, you know? I didn't really care if it was real or fake. I was just into it.
0: <laughs> this doesn't sound like great stuff to be thinking about at night when you're trying to go to sleep. Did you have that thought at all? Were you like, maybe I shouldn't? Maybe at, first, at, at
1: first, I, I started thinking like, like I shouldn't even be thinking like this because they like, they up so long. They going crazy. I'm not going to go crazy. You know, I don't want to go crazy. I'm not going to watch this no more. You so right. Like I did that.
0: So you were like, this is not good.
1: Yeah, because I started like thinking like, bro, I'm about to turn into one of them. You know what? know I'm not. I'm not even about to watch this no more. This is crazy.
0: Did you tell your girlfriend?
1: Yeah, she was actually, she looked into it after I did. She was like, Ray, why are you watching this? (laughs) Yeah.
0: Okay, so I'm giving Rayshawn a hard time. So did Talisha, it sounds like. He fell down one of those internet rabbit holes that we all know never lead anywhere good. But I'm also messing with him because at some level, I just want to help. He sounds so like a kid when he talks about the video. I want to comfort him. I probably want to distract from the context. But the context matters. Rayshawn had just seen what he believed to be evil in a police officer's eyes. The idea that a government might torture prisoners, that in turn, humans might turn into predators, it sounds totally reasonable to me. Coming up, changing up systems in unexpected ways.
4: Hi, my name is Alina, and I'm a content director at Headspace. I work on a lot of the content you find inside the Headspace app, including sleep casts, meditations, and focus music. One thing that's been a huge driver for me is being able to create content that speaks to a range of experiences and cultural moments. I know for a lot of folks, prioritizing mental health and rest, especially sleep, can be seen as a luxury rather than a basic human right. A major part of my job is to remove some of the mystery around wellness. It's not something intangible or just for a select few. At Headspace, we believe that wellness is for everybody. We may not all face the same challenges, but we all need support in whatever it is we face. Being able to create content that provides this support is what motivates me every day. When you subscribe to Headspace, you join us in our mission of improving the health and happiness of the world. Thank you for subscribing. And if you're not a member yet and would like to become one, just visit headspace.com to get started.
0: In 1999, Dr. Jean-Louis was a junior researcher at UCSD. He'd emigrated to America with his parents from Haiti when he was 17. The assumption was that he'd become an engineer. But as an undergrad in New York, he found himself getting drawn into the idea of studying the body and the brain, human rather than mechanical systems.
3: I had to go back to my parents and told them, I no longer want to be an engineer. I'm going to be uh, a neuroscientist. Of course, they said, I don't even know what that is. Because you know in the Caribbean culture, as you know, if you happen to be a man, you have to be a lawyer. You have to be a doctor or an engineer. If you happen to be of the female gender, then you have to be a good nurse. That was it. Anything along the line of sociology, psychology, neuroscience, they had no idea what that is. Of course, they accepted because they wanted me to do well. So that's how I got started.
0: At UCSD, he and a team of researchers started to question the normal way of looking at race within a scientific inquiry.
3: Race ethnicity was looked as a factor that has to be controlled, that has to be adjusted. But it wasn't the primary focus. So you wouldn't see people designing studies to look at Let's see what's happening between blacks and whites. Let's see what's happening between whites and Hispanics. It wasn't that. It was, yeah, since those guys have different um, upbringing, different cultural disposition, different belief system, we should adjust for that in our fancy regression models or multivariate models, so to speak. But it wasn't the primary reason why we are asking questions. So we began to do that in San Diego by saying, you know what, we have to focus on race ethnicity. There's something unique that's happening here we have to really understand.
0: There are always complications that make studies imperfect. And at that time, race was considered a variable to be adjusted for with the use of control groups but in 1999, Dr. Jean-Louis and his cohorts wondered why they weren't simply building a study around race. If there were ongoing discrepancies between races, shouldn't they try to understand them? That idea led to a dramatic upswing in sleep studies that center race. And over time, two key differences have emerged between black and white subjects when it comes to sleep.
3: One, how much sleep they get. And two, the prevalence of what we call sleep disordered breathing or sleep apnea.
0: Sleep apnea. It's a good case study for this whole problem of the sleep gap. Maybe you associate the term with daytime medical commercials or an elderly relative. But sleep apnea affects all ages of people. And it affects Black people at a significantly higher level than others in America. And it's a pretty alarming condition, especially in terms of what it does to a body over time.
3: The best analogy I use to describe it is somebody knows anything about gardening. If you happen to be uh, holding a hose, you're trying to water your flowers, and one of those kids come and steps on the hose and you realize there's no water flowing... This is exactly what's happening. Sleep apnea is a mechanical problem. That is the upper airway that allows you to breathe properly. When you fall asleep, it drops, it collapses. a sometime 100%, sometimes partially 40, 50%. So which means just like the water cannot flow from the hose to water your flowers so that they can bloom, air cannot get into the brain. Oxygen cannot get into the brain. Therefore, you become a deprived of oxygen.
0: Sleep apnea contributes to all sorts of higher risks for heart disease, Alzheimer's, and other fatal life altering conditions. Why would a subset of the population be more prone to this condition than other people? Dr. Jean Louis talks about structural biases that inhibit treatment and the passing of knowledge that might change sufferers' choices.
3: Some say there may be some genetic predisposition to sleep apnea, not solid evidence. It seems as if mostly it has to do with disparities. By disparities, we mean the way we structure the healthcare system. The way providers relate to black patients compared to white patients is very different. So they are pro- provider bias. Now, are there individual level biases? Yes, there are. Some black folks, for whatever reason, don't like to go to sleep centers for screening. Well, you might say it's a decision not to go, then you're gonna have to ask yourself, why do they not want to go? Well, sometimes they don't feel well accepted. They don't feel that the providers will lead to them well. They don't feel that they are greeted properly when they go to the clinics. So it's a combination of all those factors, personal preferences, system level biases, and do way providers relate to them. All of those three have to be looked at very carefully
0: take the most obvious symptom of the condition, snoring. With sleep apnea, the upper airway gets signals from the brain to make more effort to breathe. And that effort leads to a vibration in muscles. And that's how snoring happens. Dr. Jean-Louis, he does a lot of his work on the ground, in churches attended by Black members, in barbershops, and what he finds when he asks about snoring, say at a church, is a disconnect in what people think about it and the reality.
3: Well, almost half of the congregation will raise their hand because in their minds, snoring is a good thing. Snoring is deep sleep. No, 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 Snowing certainly is not. So there has to be a whole lot of people doing that kind of a, that kind of intervention where they go to the barbershop, the beauty salon, and the churches, places of worship, and talk about sleep disorder breathing because this is a very serious problem.
0: So you have people who actually interpret this condition as a good sign, stuck in a system not inclined to help them. And then you have this question of lineage, of how the history of America comes into play in the lives of modern Black people.
3: I've had lots of cases when I used to practice in Brooklyn where people would report to me histories about their uncles, their dad, their grandpas. And I'm realizing, as they're describing to me those stories, I realized these were untreated stipendia.
0: And yet, evidence doesn't point to a genetic susceptibility for Black people. So, in the story of this common condition, there's the outline of an invisible pattern at play in homes throughout the country, set in motion centuries ago. A lineage of violence Of neglect that helps define who gets what quality of sleep in America. Rayshawn hits a lot of the markers for the sort of subject Dr. Jean-Louis might want to study to help. He's never been a great sleeper. Never really seen sleep as a resource he has a right to claim. His troubles started when he was a kid. In Chicago. His dad wasn't around, and his mom was raising kids on her own. The family lived in a one-bedroom home and were jostling for space. He slept in the living room with his brothers. His sleep got more fitful as he got older and started acting out.
1: My teenage days is when, like, the sleep started to hit me because, you know, in the streets, Doing dumb stuff, getting kicked out, doing stuff like I don't have no business doing where I'm going to sleep at a night. Sleeping in abandoned houses, hallways, you know. Just and Then I can't sleep because of the neighborhood I'm in. Because I'm like, somebody come in here, they might, oh, he's sleeping, let's rob him or, you know. So I got to sleep sitting up or something like, yeah, stuff like that.
0: The day I talked to Rayshawn, he told me he just had a break-in at the apartment. And lately, he's had his sleeplessness around Jacob resurface. He'd watch the video again. Talisha, she noticed a change.
1: I woke up a couple times, and she like, "What's wrong?" And I'm like, uh, "I just nothing really, just to Jacob Blake." And she like, "Still mess with you?" I'm like, "I just watched the video a couple days ago, so you know." I kind of really like thought about it again.
0: When he is able to sleep, there's a dream he keeps having. Talisha's in it, and so are the Kenosha cops.
1: They pulled me over. Like, oh, you're your Sean? Why You're the one who recorded the jake. And they just gonna give me a hard time. They gonna harass me. I'm not gonna really do nothing for them to shoot me, but I know they just gonna try to give me a hard time. Talisha gonna be there. They gonna give her a hard time. Get over there. Stay away. They asked him, let me see your ID. I reached for my wallet. Gun. Boom, boom, boom. Traumatize Talisha.
0: That little detail about traumatizing Talisha, it made me think about what it is to see something happen before your eyes, rather than just through a screen. To experience something in the flesh instead of in the abstract. Rayshawn is sleeping better now, but some things stay with you.
1: Like, i still catch myself checking a window, you know, I don't really go outside and walk around the building as much you no know, more, but I look outside the window now, here and there, you know. When it comes to therapists and talking to people, I never really tried it. Like, I don't even have the money to even be trying to talk, like, pay people to talk about my, or however that process works. Like, I'm not, you know, very wealthy. I'm living a paycheck to paycheck, too.
0: Rashaun and Talisha have a kind of new system now. They make sure to sleep together. And Talisha, she's the one who's alert these days.
2: I sleep better and I feel like he sleep even better too when he, when we bite each other. If I don't move, he won't move the whole night. But if I even get up to the bathroom, he, he's going to get up for a while and play the game, eat something, go back to
0: sleep. <laughs> So does that mean you make an effort not to, to move at night? Yes. <laughs> like, okay, I, I
2: go to the bathroom at the, at the right moment. I'm like, okay, I know if I go to the bathroom now, I won't have to go to the bathroom no more tonight. I'll be fine. And I can sleep. And I, he, I don't have to move. He, if I don't move, he won't move.
1: We both be sleep. police brutality is not gonna stop anytime soon hopefully it does but we all it's not so every time something happens i watch a movie police shooting a black man or something anytime facebook i think about it again brianna taylor every, past cases i'm gonna think about it's gonna click this white man's face mugging this, this his girlfriend like i'm gonna everything's gonna replay past cases new cases TV scenes, me on internet things. I'm, I'm never going to forget this. Vivid detail. I'm not going to forget.
0: Hibernation, the big business of sleep. Hibernation is brought to you by Headspace Studios in partnership with Spoke Media. If you're enjoying the show, please rate, review, and follow us in Apple Podcasts. It helps people find the show. Our show is written and hosted by me, Malika Rao. We're produced by senior producer James Kim with help from myself, Erica Huang, Brigham Mosley, Demir Pierre, and research by Hannah Ray Montgomery. Our coordinating producer is Sharita Lynn Solis, with additional production help from Cody Hoffmachel, Kelly Kolf, and Will Short. Original music and sound design by Erica Huang, with engineering by ABF Creative. Additional music from Firstcom. Our spoke executive producers are Keisha TK Dutess, with Keith Reynolds and Aliyah Tavakolian. Our Headspace executive producers are Leah Sutherland with Morgan Seltzer and Sam Rogaway. Special thanks to the folks you heard from today, Rayshawn White and Gerardin Jean-Louis.